Hello, and thanks for coming along to And We Have an Office Dog, the digital agency podcast where we talk to agency owner directors and learn more about what makes them tick. From the things that make them similar to the things they'd rather have known sooner, where they've had success, and where they've learned some hard lessons. All will be revealed with your host, Chris Simmons, the agency coach, and he'll be talking to a different awesome agency person in each episode, asking them four questions and seeing where the conversation takes us over the next 25 minutes. Okay, so let us begin. Over to you, Chris. Thanks, voiceover guy. And on the podcast today, we've got Daryl from Hard Numbers. Hey, Daryl. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? Not too Lovely bad, thanks. I have the opportunity to speak to you. It, well, we've only been trying to do it since April last year, mate. So um, we got there. <laughs> got there in the end. Good good things, or at least mediocre things, come to those who wait. <laughs> Chris. Well, very modest of you. So <laughs> I can see we're going to have a few laughs in this episode, everyone. Um, so, Daryl, you work, uh, you, you're a co-founder at Hard Numbers. Tell us who are Hard Numbers and what the heck you do there. Thank you very much. Yes, so yeah, I'm I'm Daryl. I'm a co-founder uh, alongside my business partner uh, Paul Stollery of uh, of Hard Numbers. We describe ourselves as a performance-driven marketing and uh, and communications agency. We're called Hard Numbers for two reasons. We help ambitious, high-growth businesses um, deliver against stretching sales targets. Uh, so we help our clients to deliver hard numbers. And we deliver best-in-class measurement of the uh, impact of the work that we do for our clients. We we outspend agencies three times our size on tools and, and things like that that enable us to provide best-in-class um, measurement of, of the impact that we deliver for our clients. So we deliver hard numbers for our clients as well. We are about 20 headcounts, a similar number of clients if you annualized our, our our revenue at the moment which agencies always like to do in terms of talking of about of course you do yeah yep. revenues yeah we'd be a, a two million uh agency and we do something like that this uh this uh financial year which is our third financial year of training we're trading we're about two and a half years old as things stand right now so you're not doing very well by the sounds of it what a shame <laughs> <laughs> we, do you know what we're doing better than i could have hoped when we uh when we started out but um as a very wise person said to me once, you know, um, you know, whenever you compare yourself to to other agencies, right? Comparison is the thief of joy. There will always be a bigger fish out there. There's always an agency that's grown faster than you. There's always an agency that's won a great big blue chip brief that you would have loved to have won the previous week or whatever. That's kind of the nature of the agency business, right? Absolutely. I, I love to when when I'm working with new agencies, I love to start off things off with why are you doing this what's the purpose of it and then that's where you compare everything to afterwards yeah if you if you like you say if you look on twitter or linkedin or something it's the same as with facebook or instagram you're always seeing the the version of someone on holiday essentially um you very rarely get to see the real version of what goes on everyone knows in most agencies there's a fire once or twice a week maybe longer um, yeah. Even in the best of agencies, with all of the awards and everything else, there's there's the same kind of of problem. So, yeah, the the, the comparison is that is the thief of joy kind of thing is 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 true. Uh, knowing where you want to be and it being objectively 
um, meeting your sort of business's purpose and your company's vision and all the people around you can get behind it. You don't need to look elsewhere. You 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 look inwardly all the time, and and you and you can grow and feel a lot happier about that. So, couple, uh, coming up to year three, big party coming, I'm sure. I'll wait for the invite in the post. Um, so, um, what do you think's been one of the most uh, what what's, what's been one of the the key successes that you've seen in the last in the last few years? What's what's really stand out there? I think uh, a, a couple of things for us. Um, dumb luck has been an amazingly powerful uh, driver in our business. You know, when we started out, um, we had this strap line of in uncertain times, you need hard numbers, right? Mm, mm. Um, and for the past two and a half years, we've had nothing but uncertain times. So uh, our kind of the next uh, 10 years. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, it's seemingly more uncertain than than the, the, than they've ever been before. So it's kind of any time we've ever gone to revisit that strap line, it, it there's been no point. Um, and if we'd have set out to be a you know a hospitality or retail focused business or something like that, we probably would have had a much bumpier time over the over the course of the past two and a half years. So, you know, d- dumb luck has been a been an enormously powerful um driver for the for the business i think the other key thing that we've been uh that's been a thing that i look back on and i'm i'm kind of most proud of is that we have always invested in the things that we would tell our clients to do it's a big frustration of mine with any other agency when they make the excuse that the cobbler's children has the worst shoes with whatever they do right if they're a paid agency there are so many paid agencies right that don't invest in paid campaigns for themselves or there's ad agencies that don't run ads right yeah. for themselves yeah. and for, for what they do and all the way through you know since we started we we wanted to have a strong presence on on social media both personally and and, and as a business particularly linkedin and twitter because they're the kind of b2b channels and we're primarily a b2b business we do we're about 10 10 15 b2c but but primarily b2b um, we, we create content, um, you know, we have a set piece coverage to capital report that we've done two of now, and we're currently in the planning of the, the third version now where we, we demonstrate a connection or at least a correlation between the amount of investment that businesses are able to attract and, um, their communications, their PR thought leadership, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been very lucky to, to partner with a great part research partner karma on on the first two of of those um and and you know we 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 churn out content you know about ourselves as well you know our blog is is active we you know we've we've every single time we win a new client we do a win release about it to you know the the pr trade media we 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 have said some quite punchy and sometimes controversial things (laughs) i don't think they're that controversial like you should make commitments to clients kpis and you know and commitments to generate them you know an outcome and then write that into your contract but clearly a lot of people on on linkedin and twitter in particular feel like that's sacrilegious in the in the uh pr um industry um we certainly need to be careful but if you know what you're doing and you know you know what the outcomes that you are uh, um creating can generate you're not going to promise something you can't deliver. 100%. Um, equally, yeah. you're not going to promise something which has 
many, many, many more outside factors than you can control. So when yeah. you when you make a promise or a commitment in a in, in a in a contract, it's something that within you know within nine tenths of all control you you can deliver. Um, yeah. So that's that's reasonable. Um, I would argue that quite a lot of the people that are ants that have I I, I I challenge you to look back on that LinkedIn content and see the types of people who said uh, that that's not a good idea are mostly SEO because if they're paid. They don't know how to work paid because paid is numbers in, numbers out. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, actually. I think a lot of the, it's very, like a lot of the, uh, on that very specific um, piece that we, that led to us getting, you know, we had a write up in PR Week about it and the rest of it. But it was from my business partner as well, Paul, that kind of kicked off that discussion. Um, a lot of freelancers in the, in the PR space were really, um, you know quite critical and said some really you know um uh strong stuff about us you know some of them i have interacted with previously which i thought yeah i I, Um, there's there's a distinct um uh aversion to accountability in many uh areas of of the industry um and i think that might be the 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 chord you struck there yeah maybe maybe interesting but yeah so um in summary, Chris, mm. uh, we, you know, we've, uh, we've been lucky, um, and we've consistently invested our, our time and effort and, and marketing budget and everything else on the things that we tell our clients to do. And mm, funnily fun. enough, that's, that's thus far touch wood, um, paid off. The other thing that we've been very fortunate with, and again, is something we'd recommend to our, our clients to do in, mm. in the right way with the right strategy for the right reasons in the right places is, is investing, um, awards and, uh, you know, to gain recognition for the for both the agency and the work we've done in our, in our first um, two years, we kind of really aimed to build a name or build the name for the agency by winning a best new um, uh, a- a- agency awards. And we won five of those in our, in our first two years, which we were really happy with. So the CIPR um, XL awards, That's the their regional and national, the UK agency awards and the PR moment awards. So we were chuffed with that. Um, and then we can can continue to um, con- consistently make an investment in awards. So this year is our most expensive year of award entry so far as we're trying to broaden out the kinds of awards we go for and win more mm. for, uh, as much for our work as an agency and the work we do for our clients as as we we have previously for for uh, us as a as an agency. So that's another um, thing that we you know really. It's quite, uh, quite a nice litany of successful acts there and 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 outcomes so if you could go back in time though when you and your co-founder were starting out and you know you poofed into existence i could think i can see the flash or daredevil behind you but i'm hoping it's the flash so this analogy will work really well you you've gone back in time and you've created a flashpoint for yourself which is essentially you being able to talk to yourself and your future co-founder give yourself one piece of advice what would you tell yourself I love that you've used a Flashpoint reference there. I'm a huge comic book geek, and, and Jeff John's Flashpoint is was one of the, the a great uh, Flash um, storylines. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, uh, I I'm going to give you two answers to that question. Um, one slightly flippant, one slightly more serious. <laughs> I would go back and I would shake 
um, myself and any other agency owner I knew that I've, I've spoken to over the previous 20 years of my life and say, why didn't you tell me it was it's so much like hard work? There are <laughs> easier ways to earn a living than to do this, particularly as someone who's earned much of their living, um, you know, as a business development director um, for various businesses <laughs> of various sizes and, and shapes. Um, that was the serious answer, right? Not the flippant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, the more flippant answer is coming shortly. Um, but it's it is a, it's a constant seesaw in a business where it's um, where the asset. I've worked in businesses previously where the asset is not the people. The asset is the technology or the ID mm. or the client base or whatever. With in a in an agency business, that asset is is unquestionably the people for the vast majority of at the value of the business and for the vast majority yeah. of the life cycle of the business. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, uh, and, uh, as a result of that, you have a constant tension between your talent pipeline and your sales pipeline. And that's been the, you know, the, the tension that, that we've had throughout, um, you know, our existence. Um, I, I think my, my business partner, Paul would say, um, in COVID, if we had our time again, we would probably have been a bit braver in terms mm. of putting the accelerator down and hiring more um, account manager stroke senior account manager level staff to bring into the business, which would have helped us maybe further accelerate um, mm. the out of that period of time and and you know gr grow even further and faster than we than we have today. Um, but hindsight is twenty twenty. And to, to have been, you know, to have the confidence to do that, um, you know, really, really, re you know, requires, um, a vision that would have gone beyond the, just the numbers that we were seeing day to day, you know, yeah. week to week, week to week. So we don't beat ourselves too much about that, but, um, if we'd have been a bit braver in terms of, you know, hiring and, and scaling the business, we might've, you know, run further faster. Okay, so a, a little while ago you mentioned dumb luck being one of the successes. Yeah, what's dumb luck not done well for you in the last three years? What what's what what has been something that you've gone ah crap? We should have really thought about that a bit more. Yeah, where have we been unlucky? Where we've we just been dumb and unlucky? Yeah. Where's the where's uh, where's the done unluckiness come in? Yeah, that's a great that's a great shout. I think um, I uh, I think. It's not necessarily luck um, for something like this, but mm. you can you will always know when you look back at pitches you didn't win. There was you knew the reason you weren't going to win it when you were pitching it, and to have been more critical mm. and more careful about the things that you invest your very limited you know time and resources and, and effort and, and thought and care and, and attention into you know you've really got to view pitching as um a real investment i think agencies i'd love to i don't i don't do it our, ourselves and i'd love to try and come up with a calculation for how much does it cost us to pitch you know a, a, a small medium and large size you know business yeah. in terms of time and effort and resources and, and all the rest of it um, 
to then think, okay, well, imagine if that was actual money we had in our bank account, like right now, right? Yeah. What are the things we would invest money like on on doing it? And I think if we had a if we had that 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 view, there have been things that we've pitched where, um, we have a particular business model. We don't count. Uh, we don't do our timesheets. We don't sell our services by time. And so what that means is when we deal with a very, very procurement-led processes, we don't, you know, when we get sent a spreadsheet that says fill in your hourly rate for each level of member of staff that's going to be on this account, mm. we don't do that. We don't fill yeah. that in because we don't, that's something we don't do. And what we should have done in retrospect is have another way that we could have given data points to our, our, um, prospective clients who are in the in the procurement function of the business yeah so they they don't they they're not nickel and diving us on hourly rates of clients but they do at least understand how we're building the value and, and what commitments of yeah time effort people resources etc cetera, etc cetera, we're we're making to their their service and, and what that's going to result in in terms of outputs and outcomes for their business so that's definitely been um something that we learned uh Along the way, I think mm. um, it's very me to ascribe my success to luck and ascribe my failure to my own personal failings or, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, uh, it, it works but, that way in leadership. Yeah, 100%. Um, and also, I think the number one thing as well, you know, that like you're the captain of your ship, right? If 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 you didn't succeed in something... Then the first place to look is in is in the mirror and think, okay, where where did I go wrong? How could I have yeah. achieved a better outcome for 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 myself, for the agency, for our team, and for our clients? Yeah, I I I I, I think from a leadership point of view, you bang on. There's there's a, there's a few things which, when I'm working with different agencies, all all agencies are the same, whilst also simultaneously being completely different. Um, but when it comes to to pitching and when it comes to to selling and that 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 don't sell on the hours thing, totally agree. Don't don't um, if anyone's listening to this and you you send in pitches or proposals to clients and say it's this many hours a month, start thinking about how you deliver that because you're not selling hours, you're selling years of expertise. Um, you're not selling um, a uh, a time-based commodity you're selling intelligent thinking and 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 planning you're not selling these things so t I, I would argue that knowing your uh hours used internally so time tracking is great for utilization rates it's good for planning ahead it's good for hiring it's good for sadly firing um it's fantastic when you know how much people cost the business in terms of their time because then that helps potentially with things like how much does a pitch cost? Um, but it also means that when you're composing a uh, um, a a plan for a client, you can you can tell the procurement team similarly to how you do, uh, Daryl. With the here are the things we're gonna um, accomplish. You yeah. can you can bill on outcomes, not inputs, and yeah. framing things correctly as you're pitching to people allows that to not be a red line in a conversation. Uh, later down the line at the procurement stage but there's so many different ways you can do it depending on what you're selling because you know if it's PR it's very hard to 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 because it does take a lot of time and a lot of effort if it's PPC it's not as hard in in terms of quantification because you know it's this many hours roughly a day but you, you're right it's it's 
awful to be sticking hours in a procurement contract because you do end up having can you give me a um can you give me a a, a plan for how long this is going to take to do and um how many hours have you done this month can you give us a timesheet and all those sorts of things that's conversations you shouldn't be having um yep. so over the last three years you've learned a lot for sure over the last three years i'm sure your co-founders are learned co-founders learned a lot as well what if if someone's listening to this right now uh what one piece of advice would you give them just as they're starting the the process of setting up their agency um invest in best of in class uh accountancy um uh, advice support council and monthly management accounts mm. um it's every single you know agency you know that um i i've interact with uh, interacted with over the course of the past three years that has not you know really taken off it might be tootling somewhere around the one un, one million or under mm. which no, no disrespect to them or anything else but i i think may not have matched their ambitions when they started out um has an accountant that provides them uh, annual accounts at the end yep. of a year um and you know the uh that's like bear the, you know the 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 characterization of accountants that all they do is bayonet the dead right um and, and actually you know <laughs> like they that. need they need to be in the trenches with you right they do not fighting the war with you but definitely telling you how many bullets you've got left right yeah and mm. and and helping you understand what the body count is at the moment and and all of that good stuff um i'm yeah. riding that war analogy pretty hard but um hopefully you 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 get what i mean when i say it. and and you know one of the key secrets to our success has been you know uh, magic digits the um finance firm that supports our business um that you know every single month we get a, a pack from them that tells us how we're performing what our cash flow forecast is what our sales forecast is you know all that other good stuff and that has given us a platform to make real decisions about the business month to month that have helped mm. support the the growth of the um the company so um that i think for you know um for anyone um i i'd encourage them to to look at um getting a proper level of, of financial support for the business straight away rather than just getting an accountant to to do the stat accounts at the end of the year and file them for them. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. To to the inner marketing inner marketeer in me is uh as as uh reworded all of your advice there into Daryl says get a good accountant so you know your hard numbers. Oh I can't believe I didn't come up with that myself. There we go. I'm here all night. Oh, excellent. <laughs> I'll write that down. Um, Thank you so much for that advice, though. It is fantastic. It, it is so so important to get it to get it right. And and you don't know what you don't know if someone's not there with like that that top level of expertise. There's there's some you know there's there's so many uh, different types of relief you can get from an accountancy point of view. There's so many different types of um, uh, different ways of managing the pots that the money goes into there's so many different ways that you can understand where your cash is going in and out you there's so many different ways you can project uh earnings and costs and you can't do that if you're running an agency of people who are coming in and out with problems and 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 issues and 
growth that you're trying to deliver you you've got to focus on going forwards and you'd like you say you need that guy to to help you count the bullets that you've got left to go forwards with yeah 100 percent. chris you see loads and loads and loads of agency founders and you interview lots and lots of them what's the like the most commonly occurring piece of advice that they they typically have when they would be at so at this point interview? at this point in time episode 60 this will be of the podcast yeah. um the majority of if you were to distill all of it down into pillars of, of type advice types, I think the majority of them will be focused around confidence, around um, being confident to go forwards, being less risk prone about making decisions um, and uh, taking, taking, allowing their gut to sort of drive them a little bit more than they, than they did. So it's mostly yeah. around sort of decision making and confidence in leadership. I would probably distill it all, all down to. Um, yeah. And for the most part, you know, that's hard, especially if you're if you're a single founder um, uh, because you don't have anyone to bounce ideas off of and you don't have a mirror to, to hold um, decisions up to. And, yeah. you know, little OMG Center plug here. That's what we do. And um, we're here to help in, in, in it, whether it's owner, founder, co-founder, etc. Hold decision, hold, hold decisions up to like some critical thinking scrutiny. And that helps people have that confidence to take a step. You know, the yeah. amount of times where you'd say, hey, okay, so how much money's in the bank? They say this much. How much money do you need for three months before the lights turn off? This much. Okay, you've got yeah. this much now to make yeah. it, to, to do some stuff that you wanted to do. Which of these things will have the biggest impact? These things. What's the biggest risks? These things. This then makes the decision making a lot easier. And it's, it is the numbers stuff. It makes it a lot easier. Yeah. I think uh, also, you know, with when uh, I, without continuing talking in terms of hard numbers and things like that one of the benefits of um talking in things in terms of numbers is it depersonalizes and takes the emotion out of it as well right absolutely slightly less of it you know when you when you look one thing that we do is look at our clients and think okay well ha, you know how much revenue are we getting per per client and then benchmarking that you know mm. against you know what 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 we would want our new you know, inbound, like retained, you know, client level to be at and, and looking uh, for opportunities to potentially, if there's clients that aren't paying us enough money, you know, monthly commensurate to what we'd expect to be bringing in from new pieces of business, um, you know, having an honest conversation with them about either yeah. A, moving them up to that level or B, moving them onto an agency that's more probably right sized for them because, you know, so there might well have been instances over the course of the past you know, two and a half years where we won a, a new piece of business at one particular level, but we've grown as a business, you know, now. And and, mm. and so, you know, they're, they're, you know, we might not be the right sized agency or with the right, you know, service portfolio or the right, the, the right team for them with the kinds of things that they need to do on a, on a day to day, week to week, month to month, quarter to quarter. Absolutely. And, you know, if you go back to the analogy of the ship's captain there, um, in an old style galleon, you know, going across uh, across uh, the the sea, you've got your numbers. You know where you're going, and you know what the what the course corrections and the steps will be along the way. You don't add into that plan the scary bits where there might be a sea monster. You just know there might be a sea monster, but it's easier to 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 compartmentalize that sea monster a little bit when you know that you've got to have certain waypoints along along the journey. Um, and having uh, a maths-based part to your strategy that is almost like a very, I, I mean, you'll love it, but a very dull spreadsheet 
of numbers everywhere that all mathematically add up and allow you to see what changes. As those scorecard numbers come in from your management accounts, you then add in additional steps, layers in there around the team's values, around uh, around uh, leads, sales qualified leads, marketing qualified leads, and converted leads. And you start to see the picture come along to the leading measures of, of success indicate that we will hit our target for this quarter or this year. Yeah. And if you don't know those things, then you will just keep keep just pushing. And yeah. it may well be that you just happen to be a force multiplier effect because of your grandeur or your size or your scale that you've got now. And if you are a force multiplier as a person or as a as a as a business from a financial point of view, then that effect will erode over time once you hit a certain scale. And then yeah. you'll drop, you'll go from zero to 150 staff, and then you'll be down to 60 or 70, and then you'll stick around that sort of size. And it's not necessarily saying that that's not success, because everyone's vision of that is is different. Yeah, 100%. Chris, I, I love the I love all the metaphors, the naval oh, metaphors. Just, I'm, I'm an analogy farm. I've got I those. Lo- I absolutely love it. My uh, The only issue I have with, with everything you've said thus far is I've never found a spreadsheet dull. <laughs> I, well, if there's one thing, um, you know, that uh, uh, that I, I love probably I might, more I might, uh, my daughter's laughter, it's a spreadsheet. <laughs> I might uh, I might get you to come and talk to some of my clients then. Um, <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast, Daryl. Thank you so much for your time, Chris. Really, really love uh, love all the content you put out. Love uh Love following you on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter, and thanks so much for having me on. One podcast listener. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having Um, me on the show. And in our next episode, we'll be speaking with another agency leader to hear their story and the lessons they've learned along the way. And thanks very much for listening. (laughs) 